In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Very dear faithful, today for our homily in this year's preparatory novena for the Feast of St. Joseph, we will look at the baptistry. You are all well aware that a church is a sacred place. It is not banal like a shop or a store for purchasing our daily needs. The area that it defines is a sacred space that is set apart. For this reason, the Latin word templum and the Greek word temenos both derive from a root signifying to cut or to separate. The precinct of a temple clearly delimits a sacred domain reserved for the divinity, separated from the surrounding area. Terribilis is locus iste. This place is terrible. From the vestibule to the sanctuary, the believer follows the way of salvation, reproduced in the plan of the church. The entrance and narthex together effect the transition between the two domains, the profane and the sacred. The nave, where the guiding word of God resounds, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is also the place of worship. And finally, the sanctuary, impenetrable, is separated anew by the chancel and centered on the altar, as is the whole building. It is the place of the divine presence. Thus, before entering the sacred world of the Christian church, man must purify himself of all that is worldly and undergo a lustration, which is none other than the sacrament of baptism. He is invited to reactualize it each time he enters by purifying himself with the water in the stoop. It seems logical that the place for purification before prayer should be outside the church. This was indeed the case historically. In Europe, it is quite common to find fountains outside the church where one could wash the dirt off of the city of the hands and the face before entering the church for sacred prayer. However, in time, the place for such purification was moved into the church. Let us look at the origins of the temple so as to understand these changes over time. Before man learned the art of construction, the first and natural temple was quite simply the world, which is the habitation of the divinity, since it is written, Heaven and earth are full of thy glory, in Isaiah chapter 6. We read of the altars built of stones upon which sacrifices were offered to God by the great patriarchs, prophets, and priests of the Old Testament. Since the world is too vast to be efficaciously enclosed in a ritual act, it is symbolized in the temple. Man reduced the universe to a familiar and meaningful landscape. The general and natural plan of a temple is the basic landscape of a hill or tumulus with its grotto, rocks, tree, and spring. The whole circumscribed and protected by an enclosure announcing the sacred character of the place. The Romans would call this lucus and the Greeks alsos. When later architecture was born, the temple became a house 
with its mineral and vegetable components transposed to constitute the very elements of the building. Whereas the virtual or rudimentary enclosure became the walls, the trees were transformed into pillars, the stone was the altar, and the grotto gave birth to the niche of the apse. The ceiling was assimilated into the sky. Thus the temple is like a petrified landscape. In this new complex, the spring was channeled and became a fountain and eventually replaced by a basin for ablutions. This is why in front of ancient churches, fountains were placed for this ritual cleansing. They are still seen today in front of these ancient churches all over Europe. It was a common practice to wash one's face and hands in it before going into the church for prayer. The stoops that we have right next to the entrance of our churches today is a reminder of those fountains. Today, the stoop substitutes for the spring of the natural temples of pagan and of the Old Testament religion. In such natural temples, stone represented duration, the temporal reflection of eternity. The tree and spring, each in its own way, represented life and generation. The tree renews itself in spring, and all life depends on water. Purification with holy water from the stoop has absolutely no meaning without the sacrament of baptism. In churches of old, baptisms would take place at a designated fountain outside the church. Today, one finds many medieval churches in Europe with a building called a baptistry in the main square in front of the church. In the baptistry was the fountain at which adults and children became members of the church. Eventually, as it became more and more common that only children were being baptized, the, the font was moved into the church, just like the stoop, and baptisms would take place in there. The stoop at the entrance of the church, at which we prepare ourselves for prayer by washing with holy water, derives all of its meaning from the baptistry. The baptismal ablution is the only one that is real, and the small ablutions we make on entering the church are of value only because, in a certain way, they recall and they reactualize our baptism. Both the stoop and the baptistry are essentially tubs that are often in a round or octagonal shape. They represent, in a way, the ocean in the book of Genesis and the creation of the world, when the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. It is by reference to these waters that the baptistry or stoop possesses the power to regenerate. The octagonal shape of the stoop or of the baptistry is highly significant. Eight is a significant sacred number of Christianity, often mentioned in the Bible. Eight persons were in Noah's ark, and our Lord preached eight Beatitudes at his Sermon on the Mount. If seven is the number denoting the perfection of the world, eight is a passage to a new series and a return to eternal life from which it came. In this light, Sunday can be seen as the eighth day of the previous week. 
St. Charles Borromeo, in his Instructio Pastorum, says that the most suitable shape for baptistries is the octagon, for it is the mysterious emblem of perfection and eternal life. His predecessor, St. Ambrose, also stated as such in a homily. All of the fathers of the church testified similarly. The sign of the cross made with water is a rite of purification and sacralization. Before crossing the threshold of the house of God, the believer must first be separated from the profane world and given a sacred character in harmony with the place he is entering. To a certain extent, this gesture reactualizes the seal of baptism, which makes man an adoptive son of God. The shape of the stoop, like that of the baptismal fonts, emphasizes the efficaciousness of the rite recalling the sacrament of baptism and the fountain of life, which feeds us spiritually. The source of life, fonts vitae, is that which gushed forth in the middle of the Garden of Eden and from the Temple of Jerusalem in the visions of Ezekiel and Zechariah. St. John testified that it was seen issuing from the sublime temple, from the divine body of our Lord at Golgotha. This fountain of water and blood gives us eternal life and transforms our very selves into a spiritual fountain for the world. Our Lord has said, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. When we make the sign of the cross with holy water, let us recall our baptism and also the sacrifice of our Lord upon the cross. Terrible indeed is this place where sins are destroyed and evil is banished. Truly, this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. Our Lady, help of Christians, pray for us. Saint Joseph, protector of Holy Church, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.